You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We are on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. In 1807, the Particular Baptist Churches in Bristol and the west of England formed what they called the Baptist Western Society for the Relief of Widows and Orphans of Ministers of that denomination. Clearly, they were not concerned about using catchy titles or acronyms. In the later 18th century and all through the 19th, social welfare in England was typically administered by groups of people bonded by a common interest. It was the age of benevolent societies. And the Baptists participated in this. Most of you will have heard of the Baptist Missionary Society, formed in 1792 by William Carey, Andrew Fuller, and others. Their goal was to bring the gospel to the nations. Well, the Western Baptist Widows Society was similarly formed for the purpose of financially supporting the widows and children of Baptist ministers who had served in Western England. It was a fund administered by Baptists and held in a Bristol bank, at the time called Bristol Old Bank. This was a private bank opened in 1750 by six men. There were many partners over the years, but during the time I'll be referencing, it was led by Elton Bailey, Ames Bailey Cave Tyndall Palmer, and Edwards. We know this not only from the company's historical records, but because some of these names in this order are on a combination check and correspondence paper I possess. It would be an interesting research project to find out the religious backgrounds of these men, for Bristol at the time contained many well-to-do dissenters. But I'll leave that work to someone else. The Baptist men who oversaw the fund were typically pastors and or associated with the Bristol Baptist Academy or businessmen. They met once a year to approve the applications of widows and to divide the available monies. The widows, or a proxy, had to apply in person at this meeting, and there were several conditions they had to meet. The first was they could not be guilty of, quote, any gross immorality. If so, the widow would be deprived of all benefits unless there were extenuating circumstances as agreed by two-thirds of the members voting. If such a case occurred and there were children, they would still receive their monies, but through the oversight of a trustee, so that there would be no control by the offending widow. Secondly, if the widow should marry, the monies would cease. But if she were to be widowed again, she could be readmitted to receive aid. Third, the widow could not sell or mortgage her annuity. The society had a form which functioned as a statement of the rules, with plenty of room for correspondence, and there was a check printed, all of this in one. I own an example of this combination check and letter from a Baptist minister's widow whose name was Elizabeth Kilpin, K-I-L-P-I-N. Her husband was Samuel Kilpin, 
I hope to tell you more about him later, but for now, just know that he was born in 1774 in Bedford, where his parents were members of what we today call Bunyan's Meeting. He was converted early and was sent to Bristol Academy, where he graduated and then pastored in Wales for some years. In 1812, he came to the Baptist Church in Exeter, but lost his wife and son in 1818, just a few weeks apart. He remarried a woman named Elizabeth Hodges the next year, and then he died in 1829. So this Elizabeth wrote to the Widow's Fund in 1830, inquiring about her share. I don't have that initial letter, but I have the reply, which was penned by Joseph Ash, secretary for the society. And then, as you will see, there are some replies by Elizabeth. Joseph Ash wrote as follows. Bristol, November the 1st, 1830, number 11, St. James Square. A location, by the way, in Bristol that no longer exists, because of the bombing of that city during World War II. Mrs. Kilpin, dear madam, in reply to a letter addressed to Mr. Skinner and handed to me by Mr. Crisp in reference to your claim on the widow's fund, beg to send you the annex and circular by which you will see that it is only necessary for you annually to make your claim at the time of the annual meeting. The 6th of last month, I sent to Mr. Hervey of Wellington the last annual report for your district, one of which was addressed to you. But lest it should not have reached you, I take this opportunity to send another. I am, dear madam, yours respectfully, Joseph Ash, Secretary. Essentially, Mr. Ash is telling Elizabeth that she only has to ask for this help once a year at the annual meeting. Recognizing this is her first time, he is resending the paper instructions. Now, Joseph Ash was the son of a well-known Baptist pastor, but one who died fairly young. So Joseph considered the great and godly Samuel Pierce as his spiritual father, since he was converted under his preaching at Bristol Broadmead on a visit there. Joseph made his living in the linen trade, traveling much in Western England. Elizabeth replied to the correspondence right on the same paper, and she addressed it as follows. Reverend Mr. Crisp, Stokescroft, Bristol. The envelope is marked postpaid with a postmark from Exeter, where Elizabeth still lived and where her husband had pastored. June 29, 1831. Now, the Reverend Mr. Crisp was Thomas Crisp, the longtime principal and teacher at the Bristol Academy. He was also the assistant minister at Broadmead for 50 years. Stokes Croft is the name of the location of the school building in Bristol. Dear Sir, Elizabeth writes, Shall I trouble you to process for me the amount of money due from the Widow's Fund? I do not know what sum to name, but I have offered my signature to a receipt you will be pleased to insert the value and date. I conclude the check must be filled by the secretary. Then she notes, Mr. Kilpin exchanged worlds 
September 17, 1830. I beg respects to Mr. Crisp, and then she notes Widow Kilpin, application time 1831. She goes on, If my life is preserved another year, I shall understand the painful matter better. But I must now plead ignorance as an apology for the trouble I have given. Mr. Steele is well. Now, the man she's referring to is the next pastor of the church in Exeter. And God has been pleased to give him acceptance with the people, and I hope the divine sanction has rested on his labors. I am, dear sir, respectfully your widowed friend, E. Kilpin. Then inside there is a printed blank check with the rules and information that I've listed on Bristol Old Bank, and she signs it, Elizabeth Kilpin. Elizabeth lived for about ten more years and presumably was cared for until her death on October 19, 1840. This bit of ephemera illustrates some of the work involved in caring for ministerial widows in the Baptist churches of Western England in the early 1800s. Although the methods are rather foreign to our day, I trust our desire to care for orphans and widows as true religion when they are in distress is the same. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace. Thank you.